Most of us don't like to dwell on the thought of our own mortality. And yet there is great benefit from the practice of considering your life and the legacy you will leave. Today on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg calls us to contemplate this subject so we can make the most of each day we've been given to the glory of God. Alistair has titled this message, The Heritage We Leave. To Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. In the uh, celebrated movie Chariots of Fire, which is now an old movie, there is a scene which takes place in a rugby stadium uh, in Edinburgh, although it's, that's where it was shot. It's not what it was supposed to have been. In fact, the whole race that was in that part of the movie was fictitious, because in that race, uh, Abrams raced against Little, which he never, ever did. But anyway, Uh, in order that uh, the storyline could proceed. It's a wonderful part of the race, uh, of the movie. And when it concludes, Little having fallen and got up and then run to victory, Abrams is mystified by the way that Little was able to come from behind. And the scene is shot in the uh, stands in the stadium, and uh, the camera is well back, and it uh, looks into a vast sea of empty stadium seats and then narrows down on the face of Abrams. And Abrams is uh, clearly disgusted with himself. And then into the scene comes uh, his girlfriend, a very in a lovely outfit with a beautiful hat, if you recall the scene. And she sits down beside him, and she said, you know, you did very well. And he said, very well, nothing. And she said, oh, come now. And he said, listen, if I can't win, I won't run. And she says, if you don't run, you can't win. I want to take that and turn it just slightly tonight. Some people would say, you know, if I can't lead, I'm not going to follow. And what the Bible actually says is this, if you don't follow, you can't lead. You and I can lead souls heavenward only when climbing ourselves. We need not be very high up, but we must be climbing. And all of us are climbing towards ultimately a destination. Paul, in this little section here, at the end of what is his swan song, his final letter, his uh, ultimate statement, if you like, as he addresses himself to this young man, Timothy, to whom he is passing on this legacy and this responsibility, he writes in such a way as to make it clear that he himself, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, is encouraging Timothy so to follow Paul who follows Christ that all who follow Timothy may then follow on in the line of the Lord Jesus himself. 
And so that line continues. The real apostolic authority is one which proceeds down through the generations as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ comes home to the hearts and minds of men and women, and as they are called into the companionship of Jesus, and as they begin to follow him. And then along that journey, we live our lives in such a way as to leave behind us a legacy— I want to think of legacy, not in a legal jargon, of money or property bequeathed by way of a, of a will, but rather more figuratively in terms of leaving behind us something that we're able simply to pass on to those who follow us. And we're thinking particularly tonight of how that happens within a family. The fact is that life is frail, is it not? Life is actually very brief. And suddenly, there's less in front of me than there is behind me. That the things that we thought we were going to be when we were 20 or even 30 or even 40, it is clear now that we're not going to be. We're not sure all that the future has for us, but there are certain unrealized dreams. There are certain goals and visions that as yet have never been fulfilled, nor are they likely to be. And death rattles its chains. And the writer of the Ecclesiastes says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than into a house of laughter, because at least in a house of mourning, you begin to think about the realities of life, you think about its eventualities, and you realize, I'm going to leave a legacy. And what is it going to be? Now, Paul here, as he faces his uh, final journey, uses a very interesting word in Greek. He says to Timothy, the time has come for my departure. The word in Greek is analusis. It's the same word that would be used in contemporary uh, genre of Paul's day for the unyoking of oxen at the end of their day of work and allowing them to go down into the field to rest for the night. It's the same word that would be used for the striking of camp, the striking of a tent, and going home to a permanent residence. It's the same word that would be used for the weighing of an anchor in order that the vessel then may be steered safely to its final haven. And Paul says, this is it for me. My life is being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure has come. There's no fuss. There's no panic. There's no major catastrophe before him. He simply says, Timothy, this is what's happened. Christ came to me and said, follow me. I've followed him. I've fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. Now I'm looking forward to all that is before me, and I want to put safely into your hands, Timothy, the baton of faith. And I've written to you in this little letter, Timothy, and you will find that if you look carefully in it, th there are individuals who have left legacies. So, for example, the, the legacy of Phygelus and Hermogenes was a harmful legacy, as was true of Demas, who deserted me in love with the present world. What a tragedy to have one line in the Bible, and that's it. Or the tragedy of Alexander's legacy— Alexander the metal worker did me much harm. Full stop, end of the story. But at the same time, as you go through these four wonderful chapters, you discover that there are individuals who touched his life in such a dramatic way that there was no question that their legacy was precious and it was powerful. 
Now I recognize that you don't have your Bibles before you this evening, and therefore I can't encourage you to check. Therefore, it's imperative that you take my word for it, at least uh, for the time being. And as I say, for your homework, you can go back and see if these characters are actually here. It would be strange, though, for me to invent them, I think. I'm going to just give you their names and say a word about each of them. Tychicus, when you read of him in the book of Colossians, he says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, and then this is what he says about him. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord, and I'm sending him to you that he may encourage your hearts. Lovely legacy, wouldn't you say? Or what about John Mark? Get Mark and bring him. Only Luke is with me, so get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Is there one other person in your life who, if they met me in the mall, would say to me, you know that girl, she is useful to me in the ministry? Do you realize how wonderful that is? Or what about Luke? Only Luke is with me. That tells you something, doesn't it? Everybody else buzzed off. But the good old faithful doc, he's still there. No indication that he was a great evangelist. Nothing that we can read in the New Testament concerning him having a significant Bible study ministry, you know. No. Look. Marked by fidelity, loyalty, integrity, humility. Listen carefully. Long after eloquence and mental cleverness are long forgotten, kindness will live on in the hearts of men and women. Don't let ever anybody tell you that because your position is not public, and it's not prominent, and it's not apparently significant, that somehow or another you're just a sideline on this journey through. No. Paul says, I want you to know about this wee guy, Tychicus. He's my man. Get Mark and bring him. He's helpful. And look. Ah, he says, look. And Timothy himself. Timothy. The guy that would never get called as the minister in your church because of the crazy way that you run your church. The way you run your search program is guaranteed to get a duffer. <laughs> now, there are some notable exceptions. Every pastor who is here tonight is one of those exceptions. <laughs> but beyond that, it is clear, is it not, that there's many a character has stumbled up against a pulpit who's a very nice man but a very poor communicator and couldn't inspire a fly up a wall, and yet he's still there. Why is he there? Because you invited him there. And how did you get him there? Because of the silly sheets that you sent out, whereby you could never have had Timothy come as your pastor. For what were his characteristics? Well, he was too young for a start. Let no one despise your youth. He apparently kept going to the bathroom. He had something wrong with his stomach. He had a weak constitution. Paul had to tell him, quit drinking the water, start drinking wine. You're driving me nuts. 
when he shows up at the Corinthian church, he sends word ahead. He says, when Timothy gets here, put him at his ease. In other words, this character is too young, too weak, and too diffident. He can't go into a crowd and just get it going, you know. But he's God's man. Oh, you see, we have it all upside down. In the rules of the kingdom, he who humbles himself will be exalted, and he who exalts himself will be abased. When the records are read out, the first will be last. The last will be first. Onesiphorus, what a legacy Onesiphorus leaves. In the 16th verse of chapter 1, he says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Listen, because he often refreshed me, and he wasn't ashamed of my chains. There's a legacy. He often refreshed me. Do people leave your company refreshed? Do they leave my company refreshed? Are we an enervating presence, or are we an energizing presence? Onesiphorus. And what about the legacy of his grandmother and his mother? The legacy of a godly heritage. The role of godly grandmothers. The role of significant moms in the pilgrimage of life. What would these, uh, this, this couple have done for this young boy, Timothy, growing up? Well, they would certainly have taught him the Shema, wouldn't they, from Deuteronomy 6? Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And these things that I teach you today are to be upon your hearts. And you're to teach them to your children when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Lois said to herself, you know, I've got a discipleship group here right in my house. And Eunice said, yeah, I'm going to teach Timothy as well from their hearts, not just from their heads. One of the greatest mythologies is that the predicaments of contemporary Western culture may be eradicated by education. Now, we all agree that a good education is helpful, but we are the most educated that we have ever been. So if education could deal with morality then people would be going on vacation to universities just to enjoy the atmosphere. But are they? No. Because you see, education that is not brought about as a result of a worldview that is grounded in who God is and what he has done is enabled to effect the kind of transformation only God can change a life. So here comes the grandmother, and here's the mother, and here comes the grandson. And what are they doing? They're getting down on their knees, as you and I must get down on our knees. And we're saying, here is my heritage. Here is my legacy. Here is that which I'm pouring my life into. Now, Father, only you can change a life. We can constrain, and we can restrain, and we can influence, and surely we will. God grant not that my legacy would be that I was some cold, refrigerated, harsh, hard-hearted, carping rascal. God break my heart that my children may see my heart, a heart 
that has been made new by yourself. Now, my dear friends, as I draw this to a close, we stand in a unique position of opportunity because there is no compelling worldview to challenge the Christian worldview. In an earlier generation, there was Marxism. All throughout the 20th century, there were all kinds of crashing, competing views. But basically, on the threshold of the 21st century, nobody's got a cohesive answer for anything at all. So if you meet them in the mall and you say to them, you know, who are you and where did you come from and where are you going and do you think it matters? They don't know what to say. At least Hemingway had the dreadful courage of his convictions, concluding that life is a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. He takes a shotgun and ends his life. And Eric Little runs to gold in the 1924 Olympics. And when chided by his sister about the fact that he was spending too much time on athletics and not enough on the Bible class, he says, I, Jenny, God made me for himself, for China, I know. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. So we go out into the night and into tomorrow, observing the legacies of those who have gone, determined afresh to leave a legacy that will count for those who are nearest and dearest and those whose lives we touch. I've written these notes to myself. I'll mention them to you, and I'm done. I said that if I was going to make a go of this myself, I would need to determine to live so as to be missed for the best things, for kind words, for good deeds, for short notes, for good laughs. Secondly, I said to myself, you know, I'd better not underestimate the impact of a solitary life lived to God's glory. Don't let anybody tell you, you know, you, you're not making an impact. You can't make an impact. Listen to the old Anglican bishop. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, with God's help, I will do. I also said, if I'm going to be remembered as one of the crowd, I better make sure it's the right crowd. May God forgive us all of our Christian snobbery, all of our horrible cliquishness, all of our self-satisfied talking to ourselves when people in the airport terminal and at the bus stop have no notion of what it might mean that God loves them and cared enough to send his son for them. Make sure that you're in the right crowd and determine with God's help that you will seize the day because you never know when you have made your final deposit in the legacy that you're leaving. I want to quote two things and I'm done. A word to the dads and then a word to the moms since it is family. To the dads, Someone writes, what pictures will my son, my daughters, remember? 
I've resolved to give fewer lectures, to send fewer platitudes rolling their way, to give less criticism, to offer fewer opinions. From now on, I'll give them pictures they can live by, pictures that can comfort them, encourage them, and keep them warm in my absence. Because when I'm gone, there will only be silence and memories of all I could give to make their lives a little fuller, a little richer, a little more prepared for the journey ahead of them. Nothing compares to the gift of remembrance. Pictures that show that they are special, that they are loved. Pictures that will be there when I'm not. At the end of the day, all we leave behind, actually, are photographs and friends. And to the mums, when the sun sets on our earthly journey and our children reflect upon our lives, their memories will not be stirred by our qualifications or our financial status or our educational stature. They will not be preoccupied with the material things that we've left behind. What will linger in their memory and cause them to smile or move them to tears will all have to do with the fact that we gave ourselves to them. Not that we did so perfectly, nor even that we were able to do so with absolute consistency. But still they know deep in their spirits, I was everything to my mom. She loved me to the point of fatigue. She listened when no one else would. She advised with my best interests at heart. She presented Christ to me and me to Christ. It is as a mother that children will remember her most of all. Tender sympathy, compassion in our disappointments, her radiance sometimes half-hidden in the mists of tears and punctuated by unexplained sighs. We only have tonight, and if you don't follow, you can't lead. And Jesus calls out, follow me. Let's do what he says. The heritage we leave. That's our subject today from Alistair Begg, and this is Truth For Life. As we think about our own spiritual legacy, it's important to remember we can influence not just our children and our grandchildren, we can have an impact in the wider world as well. One way we do that is by helping reach people with high-quality Bible study resources through Truth For Life. When you donate to this ministry as a monthly truth partner, you're helping us train up countless people you may never see this side of heaven. And to show their gratitude for your support, we want to invite you to request two carefully selected books each month, including our current resource. It's a brief but rich study called The Heart of the Church. Have you ever wondered what exactly does a strong local church look like? Well, the answer is, it's a church that is firmly rooted in the gospel. And that may sound straightforward, but unfortunately, far too many churches have veered off course. So the heart of the church helps us refocus on the essential attributes and the core beliefs of a God-honoring, Christ-centered church. Request your copy of The Heart of the Church when you become a truth partner or when you make a one-time donation. 
Give online at truthforlife.org slash donate or call 888-588-7884. I'm Bob Lapine for Alistair Begg and all of us at Truth For Life. Hope you have a restful weekend as you gather with your church family. If you're looking for a way to supplement the teaching you receive at your local church this weekend, don't forget Alistair's teaching at Parkside Church is streamed live most weekends. To see if Alistair is teaching this weekend, check the schedule at truthforlife.org slash live. Then join us Monday for the first message in a new study of the gospel according to Mark. Today's program was furnished by Truth For Life. Where the learning is for living.